Our gospel lesson today is taken from the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples as part of the farewell discourse shortly before he will face death. I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, every sermon consists of words. I ask that you abide with these words today, that they may become life for us. In the name of Christ, amen. I recently shared with the New Testament class an experience that I believe I shared in a sermon here probably ten years or more ago. Between my second and third years of seminary, I served a 15-month internship in my hometown of Memphis, primarily as a campus minister at the University of Tennessee Medical School. In addition, on weekends, I drove an hour south to Helena, Arkansas, an old river town on the Arkansas side of the Mississippi Delta. I made the trip to more or less follow around on the weekends Dr. Robert Walkup, a venerable, well-known, white-haired Presbyterian minister who was closing out his lengthy ministry in that small community. Early in my time there, within a week or so it seems like, Dr. Walkup took me aside in his study and he told me a story about the previous intern. I don't know if he was telling me the story as a warning of how not to be or if he had already spotted similar tendencies within me that he had seen in the previous person. But the story goes like this. The first time this previous intern preached, the title of his sermon was The Helping Hand Strikes back. In it, this budding young preacher had said essentially 
that God extends a helping hand to us when we are doing the right thing, but that when we are not, the helping hand strikes back in punishment. Now, Dr. Walkup's voice was deep and gravelly. It sounded very much like the late Senator Everett Dirksen from Illinois. And he said to me, I took that young man into my office. And I said, I want you to go home and get down on your knees and give thanks to God that French and Mady McKnight made a rare absence from worship today. Twenty years ago, they had a daughter who was a nursing student in Memphis. They went to visit her on the weekend. When they got home, they called her to tell her that they were safe. She didn't answer. She didn't answer again. She didn't answer again. They called the apartment manager. And her body was discovered murdered in her apartment. That was 20 years ago. And the murder has still not been solved. Do you really want to tell this faithful, distinguished couple that the death of their daughter was the helping hand striking back. Dr. Walkup didn't say how the intern responded, but he didn't have to. I share this story as difficult as it is to hear because it is often the case that no matter how educated and intellectual and sophisticated we are, when we hear biblical passages that speak of judgment or punishment or discipline, even of pruning by God, our hearts tighten inside. Our stomachs tighten. Our minds protest in disagreement. And these passages, if we pay attention to them, if they're preached or sung a lot, can keep us away from church. They can keep us away from faith. They can kill what budding faith there is within us. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, He prunes to make it bear more fruit. I am the vine and you are the branches. As wonderful and popular as this passage is today, is it just a slightly, slightly less harsh version 
then the helping hand strikes back. I do not believe that it is. And I want to try to walk you through three reasons that are tied to the text as to why I don't think it is saying the same thing. I think it's richer and deeper than the young intern's sermon. So I ask you to follow me along and I hope at the end of the sermon you'll see some richness in it because it's there. So the first reason I think that Jesus' words about pruning and the experience of being pruned are deeper than mere punishment on the part of God relates to the context in which Jesus speaks these words. When Jesus speaks to his disciples of pruning, he is a few days away from being put to death. And he knows it. He is giving to his disciples what is known as the farewell discourse. Chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17, four whole chapters of the Gospel of John, in which through a series of words and gestures, Jesus is preparing his disciples to live in the world without him. Prior to his words about pruning, Jesus speaks to them about the way to God whom he describes as his father and theirs. He speaks to them about the Holy Spirit, which will come to them in his absence as comforter and as advocate. And he speaks to them of what they will soon experience in terms of rejection and hatred and being different from the world, but also in terms of sorrow turning into joy and of experiencing a peace unlike the peace the world offers. What the disciples experience in this moment of leave-taking on the part of Jesus is akin to what we experience when we receive a bittersweet blessing from someone we love in the waning hours of their earthly life. Whether it is our grandparent, parent, Spouse, sibling, cousin, young child, adult child, friend, mentor, or colleague. The experience of being blessed by someone whose earthly life is drawing to a close shapes the remainder of our earthly walk until that day when we join them on the road on which they are now walking. These words about pruning, as harsh as they can sound, are thus spoken at one of the most tender points in the relationship between Jesus and his disciples. Second, it is no accident that this passage in which Jesus speaks about us, about his disciples being pruned. It is a passage which both begins and ends with God. At the outset, Jesus says, God removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, God prunes to make it bear more fruit. 
And at the conclusion of this passage, Jesus says, Abide in me as I abide in you. By beginning and ending this passage about pruning with God, Jesus is making the bold promise, a promise that is very dear to my heart, that whatever happens to us, particularly in the way of being pruned, happens in the context of our relationship with God. Thus, whatever it is in our lives, in our behavior, in our past, in our present, whatever it is in our thoughts, our fears, our obsessions, whatever it is in our relationships, our dreams, our memories, our hatreds, whatever it is in our prejudices, our anger, our bitterness, our grudges, our egos, whatever it is that holds us back, that harms us, that leads us to harm others, that blocks us from being the person God has created us to be and Christ has redeemed us to be, whatever it is, is something that God works hard, often in relationship with us, to cleanse, to prune, to cut back, to carry off, to cast away, even if necessary, to burn. What this says to me is that if it is God who removes that within our lives which is damaging, if it is God who prunes away that which is destructive, if it is God who abides in us and God in whom we abide even when pruning or removal is occurring, it is better to pass through the unpleasant experience of being pruned in the arms of God rather than Alone. In famous opening words to Inferno, Dante writes, Midway upon the journey of our life, I found myself within a forest dark, for the straightforward pathway had been lost. I cannot well repeat how there I entered. So full was I of slumber at the moment in which I abandoned the true way. But after I had reached a mountain's foot, at that point where the valley terminated, which had with consternation pierced my heart, upward I looked and I beheld its shoulders vested already with the planet's rays which leadeth others right by every road. Dante is describing the experience of losing his way, of not knowing how he got on the destructive path on which he finds himself. Yet even in his darkest consternation in the forest savage, he comes to the foot of a mountain and beholds rays of sunlight at the top by which others travel on the right road and by which he too can travel. He is suffering. He is being pruned. 
but he is being pruned at the foot of a mountain, the top on the top of which he can see rays of sunlight. His pruning occurs under the aegis and within the arms of God. I first read this passage from Dante in college. And it stuck with me at the time. A few years later, after I had been been to seminary and been ordained for about a year, I was in a desperate moment in a crumbling early marriage. And this passage came back to me. I went to the bookshelf and I found the book and I pulled it down and I read the passage. And I began to see and even feel ever so lightly rays of sunlight breaking over the mountain in the dark woods in which I was standing. I was being pruned, severely pruned. Branches and relationships and friendships and history and self-confidence and sense of call were being trimmed back or removed altogether. I wasn't sure how, how, I, how I had gotten there, but as unpleasant as the pruning was, I look back now and give thanks to God that it occurred not apart from God, not with me all alone, but within the arms of God. Abide in me and I in you. Third, and the sermon gets a little lighter now, not all experiences of pruning involve radical surgery. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. In preparing a sermon, I always, or don't always, but I should, read those who know Greek better than I know it. And I did that this week. And I learned in that little bit of research that the phrase much fruit in Greek is Carpos, polis, B-O-L-Y-S. Carpos is fruit, polis is much, much fruit. The early Christian theologian Polycarp may have been named after this verse. Polycarp, much fruit. If I had a child on the way or a puppy on the way, I might name that new arrival. Polycarp, much fruit. I have neither upon the way, but if I did, <laughs> it'd be kind of a cool name to have a little puppy named Polycarp. What this farewell verse from Jesus is saying is that even when we are bearing fruit, we still go through times of pruning to bear more fruit. This pruning thing never stops. But it is an honor that God cares enough about us and about our world that He continues to prune us that the fruit we bear, that what we have to offer, 
will get better and better and better and will enhance our lives and perhaps more importantly, will enhance the life of the world that God has created. Amen.